Well, this will not be a normal sermon. Um, Derek was going to preach this week, and we sat down together and we said, uh, we're going to handle this together. Um, this has been, truthfully, a very difficult time in our church family. Not only last week was a family we love um, experiencing a massive car accident that um, we as a church uh, prayed through, and God was, He was merciful. Um, but this past week, uh, a dear friend passed away from our church, and um, he was young. <laughs> yeah. There's much life yet to live, and his sudden death truthfully has sent shockwaves across our church. And so Derek and I just felt that we need to do this together because we both loved him. And he was involved in our ministry, and his name is Phil Potter. And uh, Derek, I just want to open up. Could you just tell us a little bit about Phil? Yeah. Um, that is a, that's a heavy question because many of you that are part of our church and you're watching um, today, or maybe you're watching you're not a part of our church, but you knew Phil Potter uh, that's a tall task to try to describe him in just a couple minutes. And um, many of you would have a lot of different things to say about Phil. And, and so, yeah, I will answer according to my knowledge of Phil yeah. and my experience yeah. with Phil. And at the risk of hero worshiping, you know, not yeah. <laughs> putting him on a pedestal, because the last thing, anybody that knows Phil, that's the last thing Phil would want. Um, but Phil was genuinely a good man. Uh, and, and the reason why he was a good man was because he knew one thing uh, to be true about himself that most of us struggle with really admitting, uh, the fact that we're really not good. <laughs> Phil knew that about himself. That's what made him so good. Uh, he really knew who he was without Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And he knew that all he, the only thing he had was Christ. Um, Phil was a man that could find joy in the most difficult situations. Um, he was a guy that exuded joy. Um, Phil was a man of integrity. He could be trusted, uh, and his character preceded him. Everywhere he went, um, his character went before him. And uh, people, people knew that about Phil. Uh, Phil was kind, and he had a way of knowing what you needed and when you needed it. Um, and he was, uh, you know, I mean, just personally, he was a guy that was one of the first texts I got when we went into the quarantine time was Phil. Um, he was busy, he's got a million responsibilities, and he, he reached out. I think he was concerned that the, the church wasn't gonna be able to pay us. And he said, <laughs> hey man, we're praying for you and Katie and your family, and if you need anything, let me know. And those weren't trite words when Phil Potter spoke them to you. Um, uh, Phil genuinely believed that others' needs were more important than his own. And he, he truly demonstrated that in the way that he lived. And, I, you know, again, oftentimes we like to talk highly about people when they pass away. But if you know Phil Potter, then you know what I'm saying is not a stretch. It's the man that he was. Phil was sincerely a joy to be around because of his wit and his humor. Again, if you know Phil, then if you've seen any of his Sparta Variety videos, then you know that he had a quirky, unique humor. 
his self-deprecating humor was so endearing, and uh, Phil would often make, some, make fun of himself. He'd, he'd make himself the target for a laugh so he could put everyone else at ease. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he, he dropped everyone else's guard so they were safe. <laughs> and uh, the same hand, Phil, Phil's humor was not such that it caused you to lose respect for him. He could walk that line with precision in being funny, but, but um, not being too far, you know? Really, the, the, one of the greatest things about Phil was that he was faithful. Uh, he was faithful to his wife, Grindy. He was faithful to his children. He was faithful to his community, uh, Sparta community. He was faithful to his church family. Most of all, uh, to his last moment on this earth, uh, Phil was faithful to his Savior. And Phil really did love Jesus. He really did profess it. He really did model it. He taught it here in our church. He taught it everywhere he went. And he taught specifically that Jesus Christ is our only hope in this world. And that living with Christ is it. That's what he lived for. And uh, I know that is probably doesn't do justice about the life of Phil. And, and, and many of you would have a lot of things to add. Um, but I think that most, the most important thing is the fact that Phil knew Jesus, man. And that's all he wanted people to know was Christ. Phil is in my home fellowship group. He's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it took probably 45 minutes to get going because I, I had to stop Phil, you know. Mm -hmm. But he'd always have his Bible on his lap like this and his glasses would be on the end of his nose. <laughs> right. He had about 70 different pair of glasses he had <laughs> from the store. And he loved the Bible. And so what we're going to do to help work through this is we're going to I've got a passage in Scripture I think is really pertinent mm. to this moment. Uh, but before we do, I, I, I really want to pray and ask God's prayer on us because this yeah. is not easy. And this is, a, uh, this is important for you to listen. Yeah. Um, eternity's real. <laughs> so let's pray. Jesus, this is hard, hmm. but I want to be faithful to you, and I want to be respectful to your word because Phil would say, don't talk about me, will you? No, stop talking about me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the word of God. Hmm. We're going to let it guide our lives, direct our hearts, and form our minds to see rightly. And I pray that you'd give both Derek and I true wisdom and truth, so we can rightly serve this church, because the glory of Christ in this church is the most important thing. We need people that are true disciples of the Savior, and people who learn from this and grow from this. So please, in your son's name, we pray, Father, that you would bless this time. Amen. So... Um, I want to start with a perspective, I think, on how to view this. Yeah. And I picked um, from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, in verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to read from the NLT. I think it expresses it exactly the way I'd want it to be said. And I'm going to read through it. I'm going to bring out some points, and then we're going to, I would say, just uh, pull out some what I would say true wisdom from this passage. The writer in chapter 7, verse 1 says, A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. And the day you die is better 
than the day you're born. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. And a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Out of this, um, I have three points I'm going to bring out. And Derek, see if you think these are what I would say really accurate to what I just read. Number one, I think the first principle is we need to face the facts. Everyone dies. Everybody dies. The second uh, principle we're going to work through is sadness is a proper response to death. That's what he says in here. It's proper and it's good because what I think it does, I think sadness shows that brokenness isn't right. It should bother us. We should be bothered by this. Um, More specifically, sin has um, ruined what was meant to be good. Something needs to be done about it. And the third point is your response to this matters, specifically this being death, because ignoring death does not make it go away. You, would you say that those are Absolutely. pertinent points to this Absolutely. passage? Absolutely. So, so let's begin with the point one. And uh, Derek and I were working through this, and he said, I, I didn't know that. And so this is thinking through the principle that everyone dies. James 4.14 declares, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. I mean, mean, James is kind of (laughs) callous. James doesn't seem to have much empathy. He's just kind (laughs) of telling it like it is. Um, In thinking through this, I want to give you a little bit of story about what happened to me. When I first started working here at Kent City Baptist Church as the lead pastor, this is back in 2004. Okay. If you remember, 2004 is when the Passion of the Christ came out. Do you remember that? And it came out in late February. I remember it distinctly because I was really excited about pastoring. I couldn't wait to preach. I like to preach, and you know I like to talk. I like to talk a lot. I, was, I like counseling. I like you and I both, I think, we like to see people yeah. take the gospel mm-hmm. and change. I mean, it's, there's nothing better. But I was terrified of death. I mean, terrified. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to do funerals. Like, I don't, I, I was really worried about that moment you step in there with yep. the families, and I'm, am I invading this right. place? Right. Well, the second month, the second month I was pastor, lead pastor here, I got a call at two in the morning. A good friend was dying, Charles Hall. Bev called and said, can you come on over to pray? I said, Sure. They lead me into his bedroom, hospice is there, and he's having those deep breaths, mm. you know, the minute at a time. So uh, they, the hospice nurse goes, Pastor, come on over here by his side. So I sat down by his side, and I held his hand, and I started reading from John eleven twenty five, and he's doing that deep breathing. And I read this passage. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though he dies, and everyone who believes in me will never die. And Jesus ends by saying, do you believe this? And I kind of wanted to ask him, do you believe this? So I looked up, and he died. 
his last breath. And I was like, I looked up at Bev, and Bev's tears came down, but they were tears of sorrow, grief, also relief and joy, because she knew he knew Christ. The next day, I kid you not, I get a call from Doug Kruger. He says, hey, Chris, could you come on over to my house? My mom is in my dad's house, and uh, she's, she's dying of cancer. Can you come and pray? This is the next day. Go over there and pray with her. It was really kind of, you know how the Krugers are. They're fun to be with. It's yeah. fun. Yep. It was actually fun. And their mom was just kind of in and out breathing. I prayed mm-hmm. with her. I walked out the door. Doug told me the next day, the moment I closed the door, she died. It was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Death is real. That, that, that's probably one of the biggest things I've realized in this church. Death is real. I did yeah. computation. I've been here 16 years. I've done over 180 funerals. Some young people, some old people, like some wonderful saints, like this one with Bill. But I've done some funerals with some wicked sinners, and those were terrible. Oh, man, they're terrible. And so I would say, Ecclesiastes, right, death is real and it's inescapable. Here's a question for you. What have you learned about death since you've been here working in ministry? Yeah, I, no, you're, death is, it's terrible. Um, some of the things that I think about, um, you know, I, I, one of the first experiences I had where I understood and I really comprehended the finality of death was when my cousin of 18 yeah. years old, he was 18 years old, he died of bacterial meningitis as a senior in high school. A lot of the high school students have heard the story and I remember when he died the world stopped. But I went back to the, the college campus, I went back to the cafeteria to get lunch, and everybody else kept doing life as if nothing ever happened in my life. And death is shocking every time. Every time to me, death is shocking every time. Death, some of the things I think about, death doesn't care about what I want, it doesn't care about what I had planned, it doesn't care about what I want to accomplish. It comes when I least expect it. It takes me by surprise every time. And uh, death levels the playing field. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what your last name is. It doesn't care how much money you make. It doesn't care how big your house is. It doesn't care uh, what kind of job you have. It doesn't care how many toys you have. It doesn't care what your education level is. Uh, It doesn't care how popular you are. (laughs) It doesn't care. Death levels the playing field and makes us all at the same spot. And uh, death is unapologetic, or unapology, with, without apology, rather. Uh, it's final. Yeah. There's no reversing it. Right. Um, and, and death, unlike anything else, it brings in a laser focus of proper perspective. And again, on a, upon hearing the news of, of Phil this week. Um, yeah, when you called me, Derek called me. The world stopped. Nothing else matters. Like, what? Nothing else matters. Yeah, it just... And, um, and, but the, the question to me, the thing that death does for every single one of us is we have got to, we've got to wrestle with the question that death reveals. And that's, the question is, is, is this all there is? Um, what do I do with this? Yeah. Is there any hope? 
or is this it? Is this what I'm living for? Because if this is what I'm living for, it's, it's pretty futile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, like, that comes to the next point, too, is, yeah. is basically sadness, even anger, mm. is a proper response to mm. death. Because, and to me, it just shows that brokenness should bother us. It's not the yeah. way it should be. I was actually right. talking to Crindy, and I said, Crindy, death stolen. You know? Yeah. Sin has ruined what is meant to be good. Right. Sin is the culprit. Sin invaded God's good world. Right. Something needs to be done. The problem is, you know, I was thinking through this, we don't like feeling sad. Like right. this Ecclesiastes tells us, sorrow is good. It's better than laughing. Like that, we don't like that. I'd rather laugh. I love to laugh. Phil was hilarious. <laughs> Laughing, I'd be trying to get serious at a home fellowship group. The same thing we have a good point, and Absolutely. Phil would make Julie Lieberman laugh for five hours. Like guys, you know, I mean, it's good. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> so when death comes, we try to deny it. We try to avoid it. And I would say even worse. You know what the worst thing is? It's not. You know, I I know I understand the denial thing, but I think what's worse is we try to just move past it. Mm. Let's just let's move on. Can we just get on with normal life? And I was thinking through, what is, what is normal life? And I, as I was doing Psalm 14, and I wrote this in my journal, and Derek said this would be good to share. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, this was this morning. Mm. So, wrote, dear Lord, I don't know how to feel. Mm. I know how to think and proceed forward, and that is the problem. Yeah. That is the easy part. The hard part is to stop and to feel because a human life matters. A friend is important. He's a friend. Uh, but our world is so fast-paced, we clean up the mess and then move on. Let's get on with this. Right. I mean, what, what do we do next? Let's, yeah. Why are we so... Why do we have to accomplish tasks? Why do we treat activities more important than human souls? Yeah. You know, That's what I've been working through with. Um, we move so fast, we miss the face right in front of us sometimes. Right. And, you know, there's been a big statement about practicing presence, and I, I like mm. that statement. I think it's true. Practicing presence means, to me, to stop planning while you are in the presence of people. Right. You know, I think, I think one of the problems with people is we're so fast on cell phones. Yeah. People will plan to meet with me on their cell phone. They'll make their appointment. Then, they're with their, then when they're at their appointment, they'll be on the cell right. phone making yep. their next appointment. Right. Right. And aren't we here? Right. You know, aren't we present? Yeah. And I think this is kind of what it taught me is that that life, I should be sad because I can't be present with him anymore. You right. know, just sitting with him. Right. I'd ask you, why, why do you think it's so hard for people to be present? Um, well, that's a great question. I, um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know... Um, it seems like people are, um, they're insincere. Relationships mm. are shallow. And, and so much of us are, we're, we're driven by entertainment. And we're driven by the next thing. Or we're driven by, man, I don't want to be left out. I want to be included. I want to be a part of something. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've caught myself, you know, mm -hmm. living like that and doing that. Being in presence with people. You're trying to be with them. But then you get a text and you're like, oh, this is important. I should probably check in on, you know. But 
and I don't know if it's a, a narcissistic thing. Like mm. we just, we want to be the most important thing everywhere we go and the most, you know, we're the most important person. And it probably derives out of that. Mm. A heart of, um, we want to make sure our needs are met and we're most important. And um, it, it does require a, a real discipline to say, man, you know, when I think about Phil and I was telling someone yeah. else this, yeah. I knew that he was flipping that house there in Kent City. And uh, I was trying to be obedient to the, you know, the stay-at-home order. I was trying to make sure I follow the rules. Good, I, yeah, you know, I try. And just this week, pr you know, prior to, to Wednesday, I drove by and I was like, I should stop in there. I haven't seen Phil in two months. I should just pop in and say hi and see how he's doing on this project. And I just kept on driving. And, you know, those are the things where you think, man, when was the last time I was present with him and mm -hmm. I... And I, I, can, I can remember when it was. It was, you know, it was two months ago. But you know what you're talking about to me, man. Urging us to stop, to slow down. And if anything good comes out of this pandemic, it's we don't need to be going a hundred miles an hour, trying to be constantly entertained and distracted, because I think Chris, part of the issue with that is it, it dulls our senses to this. It dull, because death brings us to the reality that there is a God who wants relationship mm -hmm. with us. And, and, and some people are ashamed, and so they wanna, they wanna block them out, they wanna stay busy, they don't, they don't wanna stop and slow mm -hmm. down and recognize our, our real need. And, and I think the other thing, the other, you know, another answer to your question, why, why aren't we more present? Because we don't value people. <laughs> we don't genuinely value people. You know, we just take each other for granted. Wouldn't you say Phil valued people? Oh, my I goodness. Mean, was Phil crazy. was a guy that was present. He yeah. was. And he's a guy that, you know, you talk about, like, you just said it. I'll never get to do that again with him this side of glory. And, and I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to sit and, and have remorse about that necessarily. But, man, my heart will ache over those opportunities that aren't going to happen here. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, here's the third point. Um, the third point, Ecclesiastes, is that when it comes to death, your response to it matters. Like, we're going to be, we should, we should be awakened to yeah. it. Like you even said at the very beginning on your little point that nobody thinks about it. <laughs> um, and the reason why your response matters, because and I think the way, the way that the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says is because it says in verse 2, after all, everyone dies. Like, after all. Yeah. He, he's so matter of fact. After all, you know, it's 100% certainty everybody will die, but nobody <laughs> believes it. Right. You know, and so just ignoring something doesn't make it go away. And, right. I, you know, and often when I think of funerals, I, people usually have three responses to mm. death. What I've seen over this... 180 funerals, three responses. Number one, you have this group that just wants to party harder. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, our loved one dies, let's have a party right. for him. Right. You know, we're going to tough it out. Right. Like, what does that do? Also, yeah. oh, go ahead, eat, drink, and be merry, yeah. for tomorrow we die. Then you have no hope. Right. Then you have a second group, and this by far is the biggest group I've seen, and I call it false sentimentalism. It's people that mm. hope in things where then they shouldn't hope in. You know, they're just hoping. You know, statements like, everybody's going to go to a better place. Right. I know he's going to a better yep. place. And then we, 
you know, pat everybody on the shoulder, wipe an eye, yeah. greet a hand. Hey, oh, isn't that a nice flower bouquet yeah. the funeral parlor got? Like, is that, is it? Just so he's going right to heaven things, because yeah. you cried. Is right, that, is that right, it? Yeah. I think some people are, my Lord, or my, my loved one is now an angel flying in heaven. Yeah. Like, where do you get that from? Right. I don't, that's bad exegesis. Where do you right. get that from? Or they're hanging out with the man upstairs as if Jesus is hmm. everybody's buddy. No, he's a holy God. Yeah. He's a holy God that has expectations and standards of holiness. And so there's one more option. <laughs> one more option, and I call it solid truth. <laughs> and Phil texted at me on Monday. That would be two days before he died. And he <laughs> texted me this. And I put this on Facebook, but... Phil had a way of being very succinct. You know, like he'll, really, what he, you know what he's talking about? He just wants to go to church again, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yep. really what he's talking yep. about. He made Trevor crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but then he goes, but you know what, Chris? He just said this. All of this confusion about COVID-19, he goes, but this, I just want to leave on this. The only thing I know to be true for sure these days, and he's referring to this craziness of COVID-19, the only thing I know to be true for sure is that Jesus died, he rose again, and is exclusively our only hope of salvation. <laughs> Mic drop. Boom. Why, why do you think he was so solid on that? Uh, I mean, it's, he's just confident about it. Yeah, I think Phil lived enough life um, to see the futility of chasing after things that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Phil lived enough life to maybe pursue things and dreams that didn't find, he didn't find fulfillment in, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I don't remember Phil's full testimony, but I know at a, I believe a teenage age, um, Phil came to Christ yes. and uh, never looked back. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when, when Jesus um, comes to the disciples and everyone, all these kind of fringe followers stop following him. You know the passage I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, he turns around and he's like, do you guys want to leave too? And I think it's Peter that says, yeah. Yeah. where are we going to go? Yeah. I think that's, that was Phil's heart. Like, he, he recognized everything he had was from Christ. Um, do you think he was, like, do you think Bill, he was banking on riches and style? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because flannel, I, I, I heard, is in, in heaven. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, and, and again, I, every, the way that Phil lived, he lived sim simplistically. Yeah, he did. And he, he was not a guy that wanted to be known for uh, amassing wealth or amassing earthly treasure. And again, I know he's not a saint, and, and we all know he's not a saint, but the guy really believed believed what he what he read from scripture he really lived it out yeah he really truly i know there's hundreds and probably thousands of you out there that have been influenced by phil's life that you watched him consistently model um his hope and his belief in christ and um there's just there's nothing i could say that ever what i ever knew about phil or watched or observed about phil that would tell me um contrary to what what he believed yeah you know well, before, um, before I give really last comments, if you could have one last thing to say or what yeah. would be your last comment 
just um, about this whole situation or about yeah, Phil himself I'd, or what you would want them to hear? What, what yeah. would you want them you know, I, to hear? This is difficult, you guys. I, and I know, I know a lot of you out there um, that are listening this morning, um, you know, it's not a competition at who's closest to Phil. <laughs> uh, we all, we, you know, many of us have been influenced and touched by Phil's life in many different ways. Um, but just m from my personal interaction with Phil, he, he worked in our youth ministry for probably over 10 years. He taught um, our junior high boys, or our, actually our fifth and sixth grade boys Sunday school class and um, for the last 10 years. Um, Phil was a man that loved Jesus. And if, if, if he was able to, to pop in here right now, he would say, I just want anybody who's going to see this to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is it. He's the only person worth chasing. Uh, and I would say this verse is very fitting for the life of Phil. And it's, it's found in Galatians 6, chapter, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 14. Uh, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. That was Phil. I can honestly, with complete sincerity, say that was Phil Potter. Um, that's all he wanted people to know about was Jesus. And I pray... I pray, we, we believe, I think Trevor, Jared said it earlier, Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good of those who love him according to his will and his plan. I pray that God, I don't know who you are, who, who's listening, but I pray that if you take anything away from uh, today's message, that you really investigate the name of Jesus. If you knew Phil, and you, you aren't sure about Jesus, man, please sit and think about Phil's life and what he stood for. It was Christ. And, and I know Jesus yeah. will bring good I agree out of this. I, I, I agree completely with you. I love that point where you said this isn't a competition of grief. Oh, you know, no. it's not, it's even not, I knew Phil better than no, other people. You know, no. it, this is really like what Phil would say. Phil, Phil let us borrow his camper, and we borrowed it for the last right. seven years. <laughs> Big old van, you know, that he retrofitted into, right. felt like the 1970s. You know? um, and Phil loved driving me up there. Like it was his blast to drive me up yep. there because he was on that big steering wheel and I would just be sitting next to him and I got hour, you know, like it was an hour and a half of Phil Potter's <laughs> rolled out wisdom. Yeah. Some of it was some, some of the weirdest stuff I ever heard. <laughs> but I would say, after all those times, Phil loved his family, mm. Phil loved mm. to laugh, mm -hmm. and he loved the gospel. Yeah. He wanted people saved. Yeah. I mean, he, and he kind of had an old school way of presenting yep. it. Sure. And I would say, I bet you this is what he would want to hear. And this is from 2 Corinthians 6, 1. Mm. I love how the NLT puts it. I've been, I, thank you, Trevor. NLT is a great, <laughs> great version. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Mm. <laughs> For God says, listen to what he says, mm. at just the right time, I heard you. 
on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, Paul says, the right time is now. If death is really that sudden, like where I'm sitting and just reading a book and I get a call from Derek that our good Phil, I don't know if he's going to make it. What? That was three days ago. And now we want to move on? Indeed, the right time is now. And then this passage ends by saying, today is the day of salvation. So here's what the promise means. If I, as a human being, hear those words, the gospel, that Jesus Christ lived, died, just as Phil said, and rose again from the grave. And he did that for me because this problem of sin which killed Phil was answered on the cross. If I believe that, I am born again. I am saved. Saved means I'm going to be delivered from sin. I know it has its effects now, but ultimately I will live in heaven forever, where Phil is right now. He's there probably talking to my dad. My dad had those (laughs) same kind of glasses. He wears 17 pairs. Chris, do you know where my pair of glasses are? (laughs) Phil's got an extra pair now. Today's the day of salvation. So salvation, when I believe the Spirit of God lives in me, I become an eternal creature. You can believe that now. Right. Like now. And how did that begin? It said, don't take this gift. Don't just take this gift of kindness and ignore it. Right. Don't just ignore it. We ignore everything. Like I got all day to listen. Don't ignore it. Because I don't know. A lot of people are saying this is the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter if it's the end of the world because you don't know if your time is going to come. Yeah. That's... So I'm going to close in prayer and then Jared will finish us. Derek, thanks a lot, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for loving Phil. You really did a great job loving him. <laughs> uh, he was easy to love. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll close in prayer. Dear God, dear Jesus, I ask you, first of all, to use the words that were said. Mm. We, aren't trying to, we aren't trying to put on a performance. Mm-mm. We're not trying to get a lot of hits and see how many people watch. All we're trying to do is communicate a message that there was a man that was created in your image that touched us deeply. Mm. He went home to be with you. We weren't ready for it. Mm. And now... We have a responsibility to continue to live our lives. Help us to be better. Help us to take in this gift of salvation and not ignore it. But more than that, help us to be present, not just to move on, not just to move on, not just to fix things, but to listen and to care and to love people. I pray we would laugh too. Hmm. I think that's what Phil would want us to do. Learn to find joy even in sorrow. Jesus, you're incredible. Mm. Jesus, you're all we have. And Jesus, you are the way and the truth and the life. And we Mm. believe in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.